SBS Radio. Ambatant Ngandame at Idea 2022, a Doctors for Australia conference exploring climate change, sustainability and health. And I'm with Dean Duncan, NIDOC person of the year 2019, an educator with a lifelong commitment to advocating for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, their families and communities. Dean Duncan, welcome to NITV Radio. Thanks very much, Bertram. Nice to be here. We're catching up in the sidelines of uh, IDEA 2022, an event that's happening at a very timely moment where we'll be discussing health and environment and how they come together. And you'll be taking part in a workshop, bringing in a First Nations perspective to this conversation. Yeah, it was really nice to get invited. Um, I've had a, a long relationship with DEA itself and to be invited along with Uncle um, and some other panel members um, was really thrilling for me. And what will be the First Nations perspective uh, that will be developed in these uh, conversations? The main thing will be our connection to country, looking after the environment and how that actually affects our own health within First Nations people across the whole country. We have very different people across every different community and we're affected quite a lot, if I can put it that way, um, We've noticed over the years with a lot of bushfires um, and the effects that it has on our health, whether it's respiratory, um, our mental health as well, but the big impact is on our cultural sustainability within, uh, within our country and on country. It's something that we would like to discuss today with the participants. You mentioned bushfires. One of the participants in the event is Uncle Dave Wandin, who actually officiated at the smoking ceremony when we inaugurated our new premises in Melbourne. He spoke at the event about, uh, you mentioned it as well, uh, bushfires and uh, cultural burning, something that's not really quite understood in the mainstream, and yet it's uh, an ancestral practice that's been here in protected country for thousands and thousands of years. I've been lucky. Um, Uncle Dave um, is a leader on that when, when speaking about the effects of bushfires or flooding, those sort of things. I have a bit of a different background coming through CSIRO, having a look at how fire farming um, has always helped our people and how that practice and the processes around that are now able to be transferred across to the broader Australian community, our farmers looking after land, the regeneration, revegetation, um, not just out in the bush but along our coastal ways. It's really important that we share our cultural knowledge. We still have that cultural safety of keeping that knowledge, but we're in a position now where the broader Australian community are aware of it and respecting it, which is fantastic. We know you as a NELDA specialist, a very respected person in the community, also not only just in Australia, worldwide. You've got a really illustrious career in education. How do you see the younger generations in this uh, space? I'm really lucky that I'm still involved in education right from grassroots, uh, from early early learning centres all the way up to our tertiary sector. Um, We've got a really important gathering coming up at the end of this month over in Adelaide on Goerner Country where we've got the World Indigenous Peoples Conference on education happening for a week. I hope to be speaking at that again around our cultural practices, how we have always looked after the land and how the land is always provided for our people. 
non providing for people this is a theme that's uh, been discussed all all the time around uh, this conference since yesterday since it began uh, can you elaborate a bit more for us on that with the land providing for our people and for the broader Australian community we've only got to look at some of the prices of some of the produce that's happening at the moment you know we've had skyrocketing prices which effectively are out of reach of the general public but our people have always been able to nurture the country, nurture the land, recognise waterways and the changing of those waterways so that we don't over-farm, we don't over-utilise not just the food, but also the fauna that are, that are there. Um, the flora that we look after comes back to help us in our seasons and each of our people around the country have different seasons um, and the, the number of seasons as well. The wider community are used to only having four seasons. Some of ours, we could have six or seven different seasons. We're aware and we hold the knowledge around what produce is, is best to cultivate at that time, um, when we've got to clear the land, hence the fire farming, to enable that to occur. Fire farming is something I've never heard about. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So fire farming is clearing the land. Um, we've seen the huge impacts of bushfires which have got out of control. Our practices eons and millennia ago have been that we would clear the land using fire to do that. And it's a tool that our people have always used. We use fire for warmth. Um, we use fire to make all of our tools, implements. But we also use it to ensure that we have safety within our country as well. So we would use fire in small areas to, to clear the land. Um, so all of the debris on the ground would actually be burnt off. So if a, there is a, a fire that does happen, it doesn't encringe on our people. Um, our safety is assured and we have that knowledge which we're now passing on to farmers. And also maybe firefighters and other authorities because they clearly don't understand what's going on in this country that uh, they've taken over without understanding its uh, true nature. That's correct, yeah. And there a lot of the rural fire services around um, Australia, particularly in the southeast corner at the moment, um, who have been the most impacted over the last couple of years, they're reaching out to traditional owners uh, and custodians of land to ask for their input. How do we do the backburning? How do we ensure safety whilst doing that? Because we've seen in Australia's recent history that some backburnings have got out of control and they haven't been able to, to keep it in check. And so it then destroys not just the land, but also properties. Our people have always been able to control it. In West Gippsland areas, uh, we saw that the bushfires also gave us a step back in time where it cleared the land and showed a lot of our traditional fish traps, eel traps, um, which had been lost because of vegetation overgrowth. And if that was actually kept in check, as our people have always done, those traps wouldn't have been lost. And so the knowledge that we hold and we pass on through our generations down to our younger ones is now being asked to be shared with the broader Australian community, particularly the fire services, um, the farming community, and particularly the produce areas. Going back to your area of specialty, education, um, the latest figures of uh, Closing the Cup have been released. Can you give us a comment, a word or two, on uh, your reflection on that? Closing the Gap is a really difficult one because the way that I see it is as we start to close the gap on the rest of Australia, um, we get to 
get from point A to point B, and then during that time, the rest of the Australian society has moved already to point C. And so we're always seen to be a little step behind. That doesn't mean that we're not trying and we're not achieving um, that we need to in within the education because the aspirations of a lot of our young people and also even our mature age students who are returning to universities to get um, exposure to current practices of education and the trends. Close the Gap has to be a, uh, an opportunity for our people to have input into what we learn as well. Gone are the days where we would turn up and sit and listen to someone else talk to us about our own country. Now we have leaders within education across every sector um, who are leading the way and they're holding the conversations. Our professors, um, they're our lecturers within the rooms, they're our teachers all the way down to our early learning uh, educators. And having that exposure at such an early age shared uh, ensures that our knowledges, our cultural practices and our heritage will continue to be alive. Can you give us a sneak peek on uh, your intervention today? I've just uh, managed to grab you before you even get a chance to speak. Uh, can you tell us about what you'll be talking about in uh, IDEA 2022? Yeah, I'll be talking about my own country, uh, which is Camilleroy land in northwest New South Wales. I'll also be saying to, to the participants here that wherever they go through their role as a GP, that they need to connect with the land. They need to connect to the country that they're actually working on and have an understanding of some of the barriers that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people do face. As we go around to different parts of the country, there are different ailments and long-term illnesses which impact our people quite considerably. And a GP going into those communities, even if it is within a large metropolitan city like Melbourne, we need to make sure that those people responsible for the health and care of our elders or even our children have an understanding of what barriers they do face, whether it's the increase in diabetes cases, um, long-term illnesses um, such as respiratory, um, heart diseases. They're all factors which come back to the environment that our people have actually been placed in. In days gone by, our people actually were able to work around that. We had our bush medicines. Today I'll be speaking about how a lot of our country that's been lost um, has affected our general health, um, our mental health um, quite considerably, but most importantly how we still have an opportunity to share that knowledge. An outcome that needs to be addressed. You worked in prisons, not in Australia, but we have a very, very disturbing statistic in Australia with the high rates of death in custody and high indigenous incarceration rates, uh, the highest in the world. Uh, your word on this? Yeah, so for a, for a nation which we're around about 3% of the population and yet our incarceration, incarceration rates are above 30% and we continually hear authorities saying that they would like mandatory sentencing happening again. You know, we go up to Northern Territory and the incarceration rates there are around 80, 90, even higher. It's, it's just not good enough because there are no diversionary programs um, available in those areas. Um, even here in, in large metropolitan cities, we see that our incarceration rates of our younger ones um, considerably higher than their peers. There's got to be a conversation held with the lawmakers, um, with the government, um, and then also with our federal government to address that. If we don't, we'll continue to see 
uh, a lot of our young people incarcerated, um, getting into that vicious cycle um, where they're being disconnected from culture, disconnected from their country, and most importantly, disconnected from their families. And that's where health deteriorates, you know, so rapidly. If you're away from family, if you're away from country, you start to deteriorate exponentially, like so much more. It's one of those things that the broader Australian community, you know, will say that they get homesick, so they just go home. Our people can't do that if they're incarcerated. And so, sadly, a lot of our young ones are taking the the tougher decision and it's and it's a really heartbreaking situation where our suicide rates are increasing. Uh, we're also a nation that has close to the highest rate of youth suicide for the age bracket of 8 to 12-year-olds internationally and that's something that needs to be addressed. This conference idea 2022 can contribute to, to working that out Looking after the environment means that our people can get back out on the country. You know, we can actually share that knowledge and it'll be the younger ones that will actually do the leading of that. They've had that knowledge passed down from elders, from our law people, L-O-R-E. That knowledge then is bestowed onto them and so it gives them meaning um, and it gives them a direction with their life. From that comes aspirations and there is nothing better in a young person's life than their aspirations being reached, whether it's further education or sharing their knowledge around culture. Now, I've caught you really at a time when you're preparing your presentation, so I won't hold you for much longer. I'll just ask you to add anything to this conversation we have missed or anything you'd like to add uh, in the closing word. No, I think one of the big things around um, having GPs or uh, doctors for the Environment Australian organisation like this, really considering the knowledge that our people hold, I'd love to see that spread across other organisations, whether it's government departments, private organisations, the Australian Medical Association, we know, hold it very dearly to them, where we've got our traditional healers, the Nunkari, now going out into our hospitals across the country and walking side by sides with our doctors. So it's not just the medical side of it, it's our traditional healing as well. One thing I may, I forgot to mention is uh, going through uh, an article that was published back in 2019 after you were awarded the NIDOC Personality of the Year Award that you are very heavily involved in developing uh, Indigenous midwifery. Yeah, I was lucky enough that whilst I was um, academic coordinator at Australian Catholic University, I was approached by the Faculty of Nursing and Midwifery and they wanted to create a program and an opportunity for our communities to undertake formal studies around midwifery, which wasn't available at the time. And so I jumped at the opportunity. Um, It was a new area for me. My background is education and business. Um, But I saw that as a stepping stone for me and a huge step for our people as well. So I worked with the faculty staff. Um, with the chief nurse's office as well. Um, we had rewritten quite a number of the units. Um, we got academic board's approval for the uh, what we refer to as away from base, where students enrol, and these were people that were based in r- rural and remote communities in the Northern Territory, uh, particularly out of Alice Springs, Catherine and Tennant Creek. They would fly into Brisbane, um, come to university, for a few days, but then have full exposure to a working hospital at the Mater Children's. 
that was so successful that the initial enrolment of five um, students at the time has now grown to 15 people annually across the nation. Um, it's something that I'm very proud of. Um, it demonstrates that there is a need out in our community for those services, um, particularly when the services can't come to them, so we actually create the opportunity for our own people to, to do it. Next month is a Mental Health Month and uh, Are You OK Day is coming up, so it's good to be able to mention this because these are really issues that are very, very important. In the yeah, mental health is, is huge at the moment and I think it's at the forefront of a lot of people's thoughts now. There is a lot of wellbeing and self-care uh, programs around, but particularly within First Nations people, we need to be really mindful of the situations that people find themselves in. Um, we're impacted by so many different things uh, in our peripherals, um, whether it's the incarceration rates of a family member, um, and so the families are impacted on that. Um, our children who have lost a mum or a dad, um, our young ones who also find themselves in out-of-home care for no reason of their own, um, and, and no reason of their parents either. It's just um, things that happen in, in society, yeah. I was lucky enough that leading up to that 2019 award, I spent seven years working with those particular group of children in out-of-home care all over the country and it, it amazed me the resilience of young ones who have been dealt a pretty bad hand and yet they still smile, they will still get up and go to school, they still were able to accept me as someone coming in from the other side of the nation to help them and they appreciated it. Walking down the street now and the biggest indicator for me of success is that a young person will pull me up and introduce me to their family now to say thanks very much for the help you provided me X amount of years ago. A true leader. Well, Dean Duncan, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you so much. Want to hear more stories like this? Listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. 